Should I interest you in a stamp? Yeah, give me a stamp. Oh. No, give me a purple one. Oh, I'm sorry we haven't any purple ones. I could uh, paint one for you. I don't want a painted one. person hasn't got any rights in this country anymore. The government even tells you what color stamps you gotta buy. Live from Not Downloading VV, this is the award-winning stamp show here today. If you can dream it, we can collect it. This is episode number 347, three away from 350. 350 is like a round number. It's a milestone. A milestone. Brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center, a nonprofit 501c3 corporation for the advancement of philately. This is Cash. This is Mark. This is Jim. This is Albert. This is Becca. This is Sean. And today we got a letter, an actual letter. This is not an email. This is a person wrote on a piece of paper, put it in an envelope, put a stamp on it, and sent it to us. So I want to thank you very much. This is Lewis. And to the Stamp Show Here Today team, we're a team, yay team. I have enjoyed the SSHT podcast, though I am many, many months behind. I don't understand that. <laughs> I don't know. I started don't, from one. Yeah, apparently, <laughs> I think so. Various facts of my life have interfered with my philatelic hobby. Hey, Join the club there. I have not tended to my collection since mid-August. Oh, and you're still listening to the Stamp Podcast, so thank you very much. And it was only a few days. The stamps I used to frank this envelope... They carried this letter, give away my collecting interest. Science and engineering are my principal focus. And then he asked some questions. The team appears to focus almost exclusively on U.S. stamp issues and postal history. Can listeners expect to hear more about stamps issued by other postal authorities in the future? I, I mean, I'm sure we center in mostly on U.S. because that's what most of us collect, but we go all over the place, don't we? We did talk about um, how uh, Great Britain is uh, demonetizing their stamps in favor of yeah. of um, the new barcoded stamps. Yeah, I think if, if he's behind, way behind, and he's back a year or so, I mean, we spent a lot of time talking about... Yeah, that's probably what it is. We yep. spent a lot of time, I mean... You know, we, we talked about the different uh, uh, treasure stamps yeah. from the Caribbean. And yeah. yeah, we talked about how Canadians uh, create definitive or uh, create uh, commemorative stamps that are far superior to the That's U.S. True. Postal Service. <laughs> um, so that one, that one though, was uh, did Facebook remove that one? <laughs> that one was censored. <laughs> Ooh. I think with our 350th episode coming up. 
what you hear is kind of what you're going to get for the next 350 after it. <laughs> the most recent episode is number 332. Uh, obviously, he's a couple of numbers back a ways. Um, at stampshow.com, I looked, and it is the newest one is 224. Yeah, uh, we uh, don't really do anything with that site anymore <laughs> uh yeah you you pretty much just have to go to uh one of the podcast um hosting facilities to figure out what the newest one is i would like to know the names of the artists and the title of the song uh <laughs> that you use in your intro okay so the 2001 space odyssey's theme song that you hear every episode is on YouTube. It's Children's Orchestra plays the theme from 2001 A Space Odyssey. And it doesn't say which children's orchestra it is, uh, but... But children were exploited. Yes, children were exploited. <laughs> and we are exploiting them further. <laughs> and then the uh, talking part of the intro is W.C. Fields from a... A video he did, or from a movie he did called *The Pharmacist*, and we extracted the middle part where he's selling the postage stamp. So, it's from uh, I think uh, 1937. And isn't there another part that's taken from the movie *Charade*? No, we don't use that one anymore. Oh, when was last? What was last podcast you listened yeah. to? <laughs> Jeez, you're Man. you're. <laughs> See, that's the problem: is if you're on the podcast, then you don't listen. We don't to hear the, the music. Yeah. yeah. And then the last thing, I have included a payment of $10 for lifetime membership. Thank you very much. Just a reminder, everybody, uh, lifetime membership, $10. It goes toward our microphones and stuff. But it is unclear whose lifetime you are referring to. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Lifetime of the <laughs> podcast? I think uh, whichever is shorter. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> So today we are going to update our uh, podcast from about uh, two months ago. We're going to discuss stamp collecting NFTs again. And uh, for those of you who don't want to go back, and just as a reminder, Switzerland put out a souvenir sheet. And on the back of the souvenir sheet was a little code that you would type into your computer. And when you type the code in, they would tell you what prize you won. And the prize was one of, I believe, nine or 10 or 12. I forget how many, but there were different souvenir sheets. And uh, the souvenir sheets showed different mountains. And then the premium souvenir sheets over the mountain showed a star cluster in the shape of a animal. And they ran from several thousand each to the rare one being um, Rigi, which I guess is a mountain in Switzerland, with a star-shaped eagle above it. And there's only 50 of those. So they sold out everything very quickly, and everything hit the markets. And OpenSea is one of the, it's like eBay for NFTs. And so OpenSea is selling 
the expensive one, the uh, mountain with the eagle over it, for 3.2 Ethereum, which today is about $9,600. The time before this, it sold for 2.45 Ethereum, which is about $7,500. So the $9,000 one didn't sell, but the se- it sold for $7,500. And now if you want to buy one, it's $9,000. I'm shocked that uh, something like this is this expensive. However, the cheap ones, the common ones, are selling for $8. And the Dragon one, which I think is $150 uh, issued, is $900. But that one's interesting because it's selling right now for $900, the prior listed price, and you have to take this with a grain of salt, but the prior listed price was $15,000, five Ethereum. So not a good investment if that was a legitimate sale. Uh, We tried to update the US one, the Day of the Dead stamp, but it's being sold on Vivi, not on OpenSea. And Vivi forces you to download their app. And basically, no one here wanted to download the app. So it's like, <laughs> screw you. I, I have no clue how much your stamp NFTs are selling for. I know how much they're worth. They're worth zero. <laughs> but, uh, Actual cash value. Yeah, exactly. So... Becca, you have an interesting one about uh, the cruise line, though. So Norwegian Cruise Lines, um, they offered one starting on April 13th. It's a There are six different ones that they're offering, and they're releasing a new ship this summer. It's called the Prima. A, an artist named PETA designed the hull, and the NFTs are of the hull, the... There's five that are just portions of the design, and then there's one that is the entire hull design. The one that's the entire hull design, they are auctioning off starting at $2,500. Whoever wins that also gets a cruise on the Prima. And then the other five, they are selling for $250 a piece. So they're not really auctioning off the picture. They're auctioning off a cruise. Yes, basically. (laughs) Which makes a whole lot of sense. Yes. If you um, take the $250 partial hole, does that mean that you're in that part of the ship that's not completed yet? (laughs) That's a good question, but I don't think so. (laughs) So we actually have Sean here, and he is a Gen Z person. So we get the uh, aspect of people who are actually, I don't know, what do you think NFTs are worth? Well, I have a friend who has an NFT, and so he got it for $400, I think. And he got an offer for it for 800 and he didn't take it because he thought it was 1600 So I think there's a lot of people who think NFTs are way more valuable than what it's worth. I would have taken 800. I mean, like the saying is literally one in the hand is better than two in the bush. <laughs> so, I mean, it's going off of that. But I think there is a lot of people who think NFTs are very stupid. And I really think that the main people who are buying them is just really rich, like millennials, because they kind of just want to jump on. It's like, oh, Bitcoin was a lot. So this, this is like Bitcoin. So we got to get on it. Well, but realistically, how much tell people how much bored apes are worth? The minimum bid on currently the like the cheapest board ape that you can buy is 
currently bidded at 100 Ethereum. So that's $300,000. So $300,000 for a picture of a monkey. And you also get, quote unquote, entry into the Board Ape Yacht Club, which is an internet site, a Discord site, stuff like that. Well, but, th there is one thing that you board apes are uh, special compared to other NFTs is that you do get commercial rights to them, which is one thing that a lot of NFTs don't have. I don't. I think they're really the only one that has that. And again, that's like three months ago. They were the only one that had that. Okay, describe what that is. So you can put a board ape. You can put a board ape on a shirt, and nobody can. Nobody else can do that. But any other NFT, there's one called Cool Cats, which is kind of like the two buck chuck of NFTs. <laughs> They, you, you could just steal that, put on a shirt. I mean, it doesn't matter. You don't own the picture. That's what people forget. You own the receipt that shows ownership of the picture. So I can just screenshot the picture, use it for literally whatever I want. So if I put a bored ape on, a, on my shirt and started selling them, you would run the, into the board, trouble. The bored ape police squad yeah <laughs> would come out and arrest me i mean see i even if you have the commercial right it's yeah yeah how enforceable is it exactly i mean you're, you're obviously trying to enforce a copyright issue this is uh yeah whatever now sean you're under 18 right yeah so we're exploiting you even now <laughs> um Welcome. What what percentage of your friends consider NFT stupid versus there something is there? I have one friend who is in the crypto market and he also mines Ethereum, which I mean, I it's not really cost effective because of how like cheap it needs to be. I I heard a number. If you want to mine Ethereum or Bitcoin efficiently, you have to get energy for like three cents per kilowatt hour which is like, where do you find that? I mean, not not in suburban areas of California, which yeah, is where I live. You have to go to Iceland. Yeah, and no, that's where they are. They go to Iceland. I mean... You need like a wind power or something or yeah. put it put it onto a bicycle and, you know, pedal the bicycle. But I think a, lot, a large majority, I'd say like 95% of people I know think that NFTs, it's, a, it's like dying. I mean... One of the big things that really I think is showing that this is the beginning of the end is there was a, a the first tweet ever picture of it was an NFT and it sold for like three million dollars and the guy put it back up for auction like this has to be worth something highest bid he got was twenty six hundred dollars I think twenty six thousand twenty six thousand yeah I thought it was less but <clears throat> I I mean still like. Regardless of the number, it's so that's a huge drop. Yeah, an NFT for the first Twitter ever tweeted, and it's a picture of it. Yeah, and they put it up, and like he said, it sold for three million, and now it's worth twenty six thousand. One thing I did <coughs> see on the Board Ape Yacht Club was the cheapest one that had the hundred Ethereum bid. Uh, it was like a hundred Ethereum, and then the next lowest was one Ethereum. So, I, I, I mean, this is the problem. It's not really regulated like eBay or something. And back when in eBay, they had a thing where if you went to an auction and you had another account, you could just put a super high price on it. And then the second highest price, which was your price, which is like some super cheap price. And so you wouldn't have a card for the super high price. So it'd be instant declined, but it wouldn't be instant declined until the auction is over. And then it would go to the second highest bid. So I think that that's kind of what's going on. 
So, well, but hold on. The there was a board ape for sale for just one Ethereum. Well, that's the thing. It was it was the second highest bid was one. I mean, I think people are already noticing oh, that. So so a person put in a bid of one, but it obviously wasn't accepted. Well, it was a hundred. Well, then the second. Well, the highest was a hundred, but the second highest is one. Yeah, <laughs> that's a big spread. <laughs> I, well, I mean, and that's a big problem. I mean, where is this price coming from? I you, I see it's like bought for seven up for a hundred like where is this extra 97 ethereum coming from like that is close to three hundred thousand dollars that comes out of thin air i mean like where is it where is this number coming from and just uh stepping back real quick okay ethereum is like bitcoin it is a cryptocurrency yes when you shop on OpenSea, you are not paying dollars for your item you are paying ethereum yes you are paying for your item with a cryptocurrency you are not paying for it with dollar bills so if uh, the listeners get like what the hell are they talking about with the ethereum and ethereum costs about three thousand dollars so you buy an ethereum and then you can use that Ethereum to purchase stuff on OpenSea. Like I said, the Dragon NFT is $900. It's actually not $900. It's 0 0.03 Ethereum. They don't take dollars. So uh, that's what's going on there. And I think that's kind of an indicator, too, that, you know, if they deal in dollars, then they actually have some liability on some stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of people are made a lot of money on it. And the question is, you know, it's like Beanie Babies. Did you get out at the right time? And is the right time now or is it, you know, still going to go up for a while? Well, I mean, one thing is that you can see the chart of where I just looked at the Board Ape Yacht Club chart. And the chart, I mean, for the past month is super up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down. I mean, it's not stable whatsoever. I mean, it's not like. Genu like, I guess generally it goes up, but I mean, tomorrow it could go down to literally nothing. And I mean, yeah, who knows? Well, yeah, we, we discussed that before. Is you are buying the right to own the receipt that mm -hmm. you paid for this item. And then Board Ape Yacht Club, and actually quite a few other ones have like Discord sites and stuff that you can participate if you are a member. Yeah, there's... Lazy and you're, and you're buying it with a with a, a currency that does not officially exist. Yeah. Well, depends on how you define currency. I mean, Bitcoin exists. You, yeah. You, Ethereum, it's right there in the name Ethereum. It's Ether. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> well, actually, Ethereum is trying to fight the sort of Bitcoin valuelessness because Ethereum... They want like Airbnbs to pay for you use them and stuff like that. People talk about, you know, oh, uh, some country established Bitcoin is their currency. Well, Ethereum is out there marketing itself saying we are a replacement for online transaction currency or, uh, you know, Grubhub or. Um, I, I'm not sure whether it's Lyft or Uber, one or the other. You know, they take Ethereum. But the harsh part is, is what happens when the price fluctuates. You know, I want 25 bucks to drive you downtown. Um, what's the value of an Ethereum today? You know, I have to all of a sudden do some calculations because the value of the dollar and the euro over the past like two weeks, it's fluctuated a lot. And by a lot, they mean like almost just shy of one-tenth of one percent. 
That's a lot for a currency. Bitcoin can, you know, over a period of two weeks can drop by 25%. So what do you do when, you know, your pizza price all of a sudden drops by 25%? Uh, it's, it's going to be tough. So other than uh, Bored Ape, what, what were the other ones you mentioned? Uh, there's one, Cool Cats is, again, another small one, but I went on to them, and a lot of things are either selling for at what they were bought or below it, because I, I think that used to be one of the huge ones. That was like, you had Bored Ape Yacht Clubs, and then you had Cool Cats. Like, ooh, Cool Cats. Again, big names and NFTs, and they're barely selling for what they were got for. <laughs> and then there's uh, Lazy Lions, which, again, is another one that's big but again it's just they're dropping in price they're not going up well it was interesting we went on and i typed in and again open c because i didn't want to download the vv it's like <laughs> screw you and i typed in postage stamp and it gave you know many many people who have accounts and like some of them they just had people who had 15 pictures of postage stamps and I mean, Albert was looking at one, uh, you know, with me. It's a 13 cent uh, Liberty Bell. Uh, the I forget what the number is. 16, 18 or something yeah. like that. In just terrible condition, not even centered well in the picture. And it was on the NFT market saying make offer. It didn't have a price. And so I think a lot of people like just put pictures up. So I was thinking... That stamp show here sh today should issue some NFTs. And we were discussing this earlier, but I think we get uh, 596. Everybody can own a 596 NFT. So 596 is the really rare one cent Franklin stamp. And to differentiate them, we'll do like Board uh, Ape Yacht Club does, and we'll put different hats on Benjamin Franklin. So you'll have like Benjamin Franklin with a fez and Benjamin Franklin with a party hat and Benjamin, and who knows, maybe somebody may give us a uh, $300,000 for one, <laughs> which would be double the price of a real one. We yeah. could buy a lot of mics with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you spend more than 25, 25 cents on one of our NFTs, you overpaid. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm, you know, I'm seriously thinking about doing this now. I'm going to make some 596 NFTs <laughs> with Benjamin Franklin with different hats on them. So we could get like 15 different ones. It'll, it'll be 15 different hats. And then uh, we'll sell them for, I don't know, whatever we can get for them. Make an offer. Make an offer. Yeah, they'll all be up for make an offer. There you go. So when we do that, we will advertise. So, Albert, you have some stamps in front of you. Do you have anything interesting? No, I've got a couple of covers that I got at uh, Arizona. I got a, I got a uh, two-cent uh, point-a-day booklet pane on a registered cover with four other stamps going from the Canal Zone to uh, California. And hold on, hold on. Was that English you just said? Yeah. I, I understood nothing of what you just said. <laughs> I said I have a I have a booklet pane usage of the two cent pointed a nineteen twenty five issue, um, a complete booklet with four other stamps on a registered cover sent from Balboa Heights to uh, to Carmel, California in nineteen thirty one, oh. 
And the point okay. of A refers to the canal zone overprint with the, and yeah. the A has a pointy top versus a oh, squared off top. Before, yes, which was the 1924 issue. And then the other is a, uh, a one cent, uh, a one cent Mount Hope, uh, uh, Scott number 67 on a uh, souvenir, uh, souvenir folder of postcards uh, used in uh, 1923. And it's nicely tied in and has uh, now a new certificate for it. So some Canal Zone to tell us a little bit about Canal Zone. Canal Zone. Why, why canal Zone stamps existed from from 1904 until about 1980 when we gave up the canal, and uh, the last stamp was issued, I guess, was in '78, and the, the actual postal service ended in about '81, and uh, so we had the right we had the right to run uh, run the posts within the within the Panama Canal Zone area, which we built. And uh, um, so we, the first stamps that we had were Panamanian stamps that were overprinted with, with a rubber stamp that said Canal Zone on them. We'll go back because actually they were Colombian stamps overprinted for Panama because Theodore Roosevelt created Panama by telling them, hey, you guys, if you secede from Colombia, we'll support you. And they said, okay. <laughs> so these are... So from uh, so we used we used Panamanian stamps over printed Canal Zone from 1905 until 1924, and then we decided why should we pay them for the stamps when we could use our own stamps over printed. So that's what we did. So these were just these were just two nice little covers that that I bought that uh, I I just got back with a certificate and I'm happy to happy to have them. Now the U.S. stamps that were over printed. That was the last issue, was it not? They pr overprinted the um, two low values, the half cent and the one and a half cent prexies in 1938, and then that was it for U.S. stamps. After that, Canal Zone stamps were Canal well, Zone. Well, yeah, they were actually printed by the Bureau of Engraving and right. Printing, and they were used. They uh, were U.S. stamps, but they were for the Canal Zone. Theoretically, you, you can't use Canal Zone stamps anymore, but I see too much mail where they do use the Canal Zone stamps uh, to send out bulk packages still. Well, I've got a cover in my collection on Canal Zone that is a Canal Zone stationary airmail stamp, and it's overstruck uh, illegal use held for postage in Miami. Oh. So whoever had it, was writing home, used their postal stationery from the Canal Zone, and it was not accepted in the United States, which kind of proves what Albert was saying. Well, it, before we gave away the Canal Zone, I would use the, I would use the, uh, the stamps that were, that were made in the late 50s through the 70s just on postage. Yeah. Just because it was, it was totally legal to do that. But I rarely have seen the post office actually step up and say no you can't do it yeah that's why i have that in my out of that cover especially since a lot of those stamps um starting in 1965 they are they come properly tagged and all that mm -hmm. just you want to have the historical background uh albert says we gave it away uh the canal zone was leased for a hundred years in 1904 1901 somewhere around that time and um, during the Carter administration, there was a lot of pressure from uh, Panama to um, turn over control of the canal zone. And so they um, actually made a new treaty 
Yeah, because ba- basically, so the Senate passed it, and the president signed the bill on the treaty to revert back to Panama, who well, promptly turned over all of the operations to the Chinese. <laughs> so, well, the reason why they did, were complaining so much is that the canal zone literally cut their country in half. Yeah. I mean, it was difficult to go from the south end to the north end. Because they had to go through a foreign country. Because you had to technically go through a foreign country, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and then w- just to finish it all off, uh, a few years later, George Bush was president, and they went down and arrested the dictator of Panama and put him in prison for narcotics violations. And as far as I know, he, was, he died, didn't he, in prison down in Atlanta or something? Yeah. That's so, correct. you know. If you watch so much the, for diplomacy. If you watch the TV show Narcos, you will see that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. It, and that just brings to mind, it's the U.S. Canal Zone. Because yes. if, technically, if you said Canal Zone it's, and you were over in England, they'd be thinking about the Suez Canal. No, you, the right term is Panama Canal Zone. Yeah, mm-hmm. because the uh, Suez Canal was literally called the Canal Zone also. Which makes sense. I mean, it's the zone around the canal. That has its own interesting story also, but we won't go into that right now. I would love to because that one is really, really interesting. That one has a lot of international intrigue and stuff like that. A whole war of thought. Yeah, yeah. Anything else going on today? Everybody's getting ready to go to San Francisco. Yep. Yeah, we're all going to go to uh, Westpex, and afterwards we'll have our official Westpex show telling everything that happened, all the juicy tidbits, and uh, show everybody what we got. So with that, I think we're out of here. We need your help. Nothing on the Internet is free, including our phone and Internet connections. So you can support the podcast by joining the Stamp Show Here Today Club. The cost is $10 for a lifetime membership. Please include your APS member number as we are an APS-affiliated club. Your support is greatly appreciated. Our brand new spanking address is 5965 Harrison Drive, Suite 6 in Las Vegas, Nevada, 89120. You left out the word glorious. Fabulous. (laughs) Because you don't put that on the letter. Oh. Well, you could. You could, yeah. You could, yeah. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Ballerina, oh, and from Not Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun, but now the time has come to go. If this still clown was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! (laughs) You have been listening to Stamp Show here today, seeking to advance all levels of the stamp collecting hobby through news, information, and collecting advice. Visit us at stampshowheretoday.com to listen to the show, view images of the items we are talking about, and read the show notes. You can also continue the conversation on Facebook at Stamp Show Here Today and on Twitter at Stamp Show HT. If you have questions or comments about the show or have any topics you would like us to discuss, you can email us at stampshowheretoday at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and as always, keep collecting.
Stamp collecting happens when we dream together.